1: everyone. Welcome to the program. My guest today is Catherine Yitz. The title of her new book is I Learn, I Teach. Welcome, Catherine.
2: Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I am glad you're with me. I want to know more about I Learn, I Teach. What inspired your book? Let's start with that. What inspired your book? What
2: inspired What inspired my book? um, The first section is called "I Learn," and it's poems about my childhood, as well as um, kind of coming from a dysfunctional home and not having the care that um, some you know younger children get. And then the the "I Teach" section is about my teaching experience and trying to be that person for those children. A lot of them came from broken homes, and Some of the poems are a bit humorous. Some of them are um, more focused on, like, the actual teaching aspect. Others are more focused on the relationship. And I just, I very much miss those students. It was middle school and high school is what Mm -hmm. it focuses on. Um, Now I teach adults, but before I taught the younger crowd and it's about that experience mainly
1: all right thank you let's go back for a minute
2: what is poetry what is poetry to me poetry is play so I believe poetry is a very playful thing to do very very much play and anyone can play really so I believe anyone can do poetry Mm -hmm. and you know, just give a student or anyone, any individual, um, a prompt or a toolbox of poems or uh, poetry devices to use, and they can play and have fun.
1: All right, all right, is poetry important? I'm sorry? Why is poetry important?
2: Poetry is important because it implements change. Um, Whether or not the poet intends to or not, they're putting somebody in a different perspective and putting them in a different mindset which can influence change. And whether that's on a large level or small level, um, micro or macro, you know, uh, it, it does make change happen.
1: All right. All right. What are some of the predominant themes of your book? You kind of mentioned what inspired you. What are some other things that you think of?
2: Well, much of my inspiration um, comes from a variety of things. I write about almost everything. I'd say a lot of my poetry is um, sensual. I do write about animals. I write about um poems, which is art off of art. And a lot of uh, I actually did for my um my capstone for college I did um poetry. Not necessarily like poetry that or sorry, um art that you find in the museum, but art from friends and family members. Yes. Yeah. All right. And um <laughs> Yeah.
1: Continue, continue.
2: <laughs> anything else? Talk. Yeah. You. Yes, of course. Um, I just I find inspiration in nature. I wouldn't call myself a nature poet, um, mm-hmm. by any means. Um, but I do feel nature is often inspiring. And as I said, I, I write a lot of sensual poetry. I write a lot of poetry. My husband is my muse. Um, right now. <laughs> So I've been writing a lot of poetry about him, which actually is going to be my full-length collection coming out next year called Always Only. Um, my first full-length it will be, and it's all poems about my husband. So he's a really good right. right now.
1: Okay, very nice. I like that. Please share
2: a poem. Of course, of course. One moment. I'm just paging through the book real quick. This is from my first um, chapbook, and it's titled, um, So I Can Write, and it's published by Cyberwit, which is what my new new chapbook is published by as well. The poem is called T.S. Eliot Naked. I have measured out my life in cigarette drag. I've heard the mermaids sing each to each I have danced naked on the beach. Nails unfiled, hair on my legs. But what is the question, pupils beg. I have seen the red apple rot. I have seen the plant die in its pot. There is no time for this or that. Be more specific, not so flat. What is the answer, they plea. I walk back to the beach back to the youth, the hibiscus tree with yellow drying leaves. I cannot answer, I cannot see without my glasses, old moldy molasses, old pointy brass branches on the tree. Let's get back to me. But the answer, they say, I have measured out my life in coffee pots. I have leapt through the parking lot of life. What did I see? Tell us, answer us, the answer, each to each cannot be breached until they hear the mermaids sing upon the beach theirs is the song of emeralds of midnight's coffee grounds of yesterday's condom there is not enough room for us there's not enough room for me Taked under my nails is one answer Balanced on my blame, I walk on without a name. Mm. <laughs>
1: Catherine,
2: what that is, all is the purpose for that of one. that?
1: All right, what is the purpose of that, poem? Tell me about the purpose. It's,
2: the purpose of the poem, it's actually um, inspired by T.S. Eliot. So that's why I called it T.S. Eliot Naked. His poem, Prufrock, um, inspired it. Love song for Gay Alfred Prufrock. And it's supposed to be a stream-of-consciousness poem, so it's just kind of whatever comes to mind, back and forth, very um, just letting the flow go. All
1: right. How does a poem ordinarily begin for you, with an idea, a form, or an image?
2: Honestly I don't know how they come to me. <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know. I they just sometimes it's an image, sometimes um sometimes I start off with a form um yes. and let that inspire me. Not as mm-hmm. often as when I just kind of let it out. Um as I said, um I've had I, my muse right now is my husband. I've had All right. different muses in life, but um, mainly I would say right now is my husband, and um, they just kind of come from a, a moment sometimes.
1: All right. That's very nice. I can understand that. I can understand that. Let's back again. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power?
2: when I first, like, found my poetic voice, you would say? Yes. Well, <laughs> I was about three. and oh, wow. I started manipulating nursery rhymes. So uh, I would often play with nursery rhymes, like, one, two, buckle my shoe. And
0: <laughs>
2: I'll never forget this one experience where I... <sighs> Nine, to the big bang, you know, so you have to come up with something really funny or fun. So I thought, well, my dad likes fishing and poo is funny. So I went to the stairs to recite my poem, you know, I went one, two, I don't remember what was in between, but I remember the nine, ten, a big bass's turd and it came out wrong. And my father started yelling at me and I was like, oh no, what did I do wrong? And I thought he was mad about my poem, so I didn't write poetry again until about third grade when I found out what word I had said or what it sounded like so Why? i I dropped it for a very long time um and then and then um, I started when I was in third grade writing poems about like Harry Potter and Lunch ladies named Duke who made bad soup and things like that. So it was. It's it's always been with me to some extent.
1: Okay, sounds like it. From the age of three. All right. Three.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, play with rhyme. Yes. I'm gonna say my three-year-old nephew makes up songs now.
1: Oh, really? Oh, right. My three-year-old yeah, Matt, right. He makes
2: up songs. Yeah, he makes them up on his own, and he loves the Beatles, so it's often to the Beatles tunes, but he'll, like, make it his own.
1: All right, very nice, very nice, very nice. He learns from yeah. his own. All right. All great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes?
2: Of course, I have to mention my. Um, Mentor in poetry, Margaret Raska. She is a Wisconsin poet. Um, Her poetry is very um, politically driven, and it's a way that I long to write and Mm. cannot always seem to. Um, But through a a class of hers, I did end up writing um, some political poems that I would highly suggest her classes. Christina Norcross is another one. She's another Wisconsin poet. She is a nature poet for sure. And her imagery is fabulous. I'll never forget her line, um, my lips open and close like a curious fish or something along those lines. It's a very beautiful one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also inspired by another, <laughs> there's a lot of Wisconsin poets, um, Jim Landwehr. Um He writes really punny, really punny stuff. And I can't be humorous in my poetry for the life of me, but that man just mm. gets it. And I almost, hmm, I dare say I relate him to another funny poet that inspired me a lot, Jack Spicer. He's not always funny, but Jack Spicer can be really funny. He's a hes a classic poet. But um, he my favorite line by Jack Spicer isn't a funny one, though. Mm-hmm. One only whores towards what causes poetry. And then he also wrote the poem, um, oh, how does it go? Um, one moment. It's, hmm. Oh, any fool can get into the ocean, but it takes a goddess to walk out of one. Oh, That's wow. the one. Okay. And then I also love Hilda Doolittle. That's another one. She's just, her extended metaphors are amazing.
1: All right. You know, I want to ask you a question. You know, you and I have communicated prior to setting up this program today. To me, you came across in our emails as a very lighthearted individual. So why can't you write humorous poetry? I mean, you've laughed some today. Why can't you write humorous poetry? I just want to know. Have an inquiring mind.
2: That is a really interesting question. Hmm, let me think for just a moment. Yes, please. So, oops. I guess I used to when I was very little. That was well, not very little. When I was in third grade, that was my jam was humor, humor poetry. Okay. Um, my whole point of every poem was to make my sister laugh, actually. Uh-huh. And you know, I'd write like Harry Potter is my father for what I cause I feet and like weird stuff like that. I just write craziness. And then I think I just. I went through a lot of things at an early age in life and unicorns and rainbows just weren't as I wasn't as imaginative and I wasn't as funny I was very shy I was often teased and it was through a lot of things and yes I I wouldn't say it's made me bitter, but it's made me a little more depressive. And I've been through depression. Um, I have bipolar 1, so I have a lot of depression in my life. And I try to write funny. I even send funny stuff to, like, humor journals, and they just don't (laughs) get published. Okay. Okay. So right. I don't think I'm very funny. So, <laughs> I'm not getting published well, I, in I, I, So, so, so <laughs>
1: they're they're not the end all in terms of judgment. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. I know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't base it on my submissions. I you know just right. people can you can send to a hundred journals and get rejected a yes, hundred so times true. and you're still right.
1: Right, that is so anyway. true. Right. I say keep writing whether you send them out or not. Continue to explore that funny. side of you again. I will try. Please, please, just, all, Play right. A little. all right. <laughs> Take it in small steps. All right. <laughs> well I'm glad you shared that with me. I'm glad you shared that. That that helps. That helps a lot.
2: All right, share another point. Thank you. All right, just a moment. Trying to remember which one. Um, these are from, my next set of poems are going to be from my second chef book, which is called The Animal Within, published by Unsolicited Press. Um, I think it was in 2020, 2021. Um, and I'll read the first one. It's a personal favorite. It's based off a James Wright's poem, Blessing. And in that poem, he goes to see some horses. And the, it, it's kind of a sad poem, really. But I don't think the horses took it that way. So I write from the perspective of the horses. I think the horses were happy to see them. So it's called Bless You. And the quote from James Wright that begins with it is suddenly I realized that if I stepped out of my body, I would break into blossom. Fenced off from the highway, I gallop in the gleam of the moon, and the eyes of my two guests burst blue at the sight of me. Their steps plash dewdrops as they breathlessly walk towards me. My nerves ripple with excitement as they run their hands through my mane, detangle the wind braids of the day. They lift their heads boldly as sunflowers. There is no bliss like theirs. I nudge one's hand with my muzzle, come in into my home, my pasture, invite him to graze with me under sable skies. His fingertips kiss my ear as soft as a tired saddle. Suddenly, he freezes in time. His face opens like a lysianthus. And that's all for that one. You know,
1: I think I'd like you to read that one again. I'm going to imagine You're that right. I'm that horse that I'm that horse that you're you're talking about. Yes, please read it again.
2: Of course. Bless you. Fenced off from the highway, I gallop in the gleam of the moon, and the eyes of my two guests burst blue at the sight of me. Their steps plash dewdrops as they walk breathlessly towards me. My nerves ripple with excitement as they run their hands through my mane. detangle the wind braids of the day. They lift their heads boldly as sunflowers. There is no bliss like theirs. I nudge one's hand with my muzzle to welcome him into my home, my pasture, invite him to graze with me under sable skies. His fingertips kiss my ear as soft as a tired saddle. Suddenly, he freezes in time his face opens like a lysianthus. Wow. I like that. Thank you. I like that. I like
1: that. You know,
0: Catherine,
1: (laughs) it's beautiful. Some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on the editing
2: process? Mm. The editing process. Oh, man. It's a doozy. <laughs> um, I often have critiquing workshops. i mean in a lot of different workshops. Um, okay. I was in All Writers for a while, which um, is based in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and it's run by Kathy Giorgio, wonderful, wonderful writer. Um And that's kind of where I got started with workshopping, I would say, minus college. Of course, I workshopped in college as well. That was my first time stepping out and doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have Rogue One. I have Driftless Poets. I have RR Poets Critique. And I get all this great feedback. But if I don't do it and, like, do the editing while edited and helped by others, I just don't do it. All right. <laughs> I'll forget oh, about it, you know, like I just <laughs> it's not that I don't wanna edit it, I just kinda put it on the back burner.
0: All right. So but
2: I, I believe in editing. I strongly believe in the editing process and um and the idea that a poem should just never be touched. And mm-hmm. left the way it is. I, I just, I can't agree with that. All right. I understand how people might feel that way. But if that's how you feel, I feel like there's a way around that. Okay, here's the way around okay. it. If you don't want to edit the poem, keep the original as you edit it, keep making copies of it. <laughs>
0: oh wow. Very I nice. I used
2: to do that all the time. I used to do that all, all right. the time. I'd have one poem and then I'd turn it into a whole new poem, turn it into a whole new poem and it's one way to get around the devil. Oh wow. Right. I
1: like that. I like that strategy. So listeners you heard what Catherine said. <laughs> she gave you a way to get around the editing process. All right. In terms of thinking there's one way or the highway. I like that. Share another mm-hmm. poll. Share another poll. I want to hear another poll.
2: Certainly, certainly. Um, I'm trying to think if I should. I think I'll stick with the animal within again. Um, and I'm going to do i learn I Teach closer at the end. Um, let's see. I just had one up. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Definitely. Um I'll read I'll read the poem. This poem actually won me the Jade Ring Award. It's a Wisconsin Poets Award. Um wow. granted by um the Wisconsin Writers Association. It's a beautiful ring and it was actually crafted by Kraft, the guy who does Kraft craft cheese. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wow! He designed
2: the ring, which I think is the funniest thing crafted by craft. <laughs> All right. So this one's called Plath's Birthday, and I actually wrote it um, based on the poem um, Blackberries by Sylvia Plath, and some of the first words are the same. So it's it was a form poem. Plath's Birthday. Nothing but pumpkins left to right with ivy swirls curls around my boots and a cornfield somewhere at the end of it amazing, Pumpkins, big as my head, with star glistening seeds and guts. I had not asked for such orange, burnt as the ember of my cigarettes. They love me. They wait for picking like girls at a bar or dance. Overhead, the crows caw. Theirs was the voice of autumn, of pumpkin, ale, and cranberry moonshine, bits of last night's ashes in the sky. I come to one patch of pumpkins, so bright it hurts my eyes, something their amber bellies and their knotted stems in a haystack. I believe in a kind of heaven with one look hooked into this moment in October. The only thing to come now is the cornfield between two hills, the wind blows in a stalk, Laps me like a playful lover. These hills, these fields, once too green and sweet to know the bitter pumpkin seed. I follow a scarecrow's path to the hill's southern face, and the face is gold that looks out on nothing, nothing but wheat and grass, and the occasional stray cow lowing. And that's what got me my ring. (laughs) Wow. Wow, that was yeah.
1: incredible. <laughs> congratulations.
2: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, I'm very, very fond of my, my jade ring.
1: <laughs> That's all right. I like it. I like it. You know, they say, Catherine, that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, musicians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you? Hmm.
2: Can you rephrase a little bit what emerges as far as... Yes, what, what qualities Sorry.
1: do you emanate when you write your poetry?
2: Um, I feel the qualities that I emanate are seeing the world more closely, mm. taking a moment and dissecting it, um, living the simple life, It's not all the time my poems are like that But every once in a while Um, I'd also say another thing My poetry myth is Power Um, I haven't read a poem like that yet But I do write poetry That is very um, Empowering So I guess those who have read it, and I, I had I, I one that um, I'm, like, I'm probably going to read later, which I published in Women's Scream Anthology, poems I'm most proud of, um, called Katy Perry Don't Stop. And it just, mm. I had a, a woman contact me and said, I need to use this in my workshop for an example of a power poem that can be broken open. And I was just like, wow, I'm being used wow. in a workshop, <laughs> you know. Yeah,
0: it's and, just
2: beautiful. Um, it was so wonderful to hear and I just I guess it's just some people say they read some of my poetry and they just feel empowered so I Mm. mean empowerment
1: Wow you know you've shared about again empowerment as well as political poems what I want to know from you before we take a quick break What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society?
2: As I said earlier, um, I believe that we help create change, but I also believe we are teachers, whether we're actually teachers or not. We Mm -hmm. teach concepts. We teach people how to look outside of themselves um, and not be so inward. So I, I feel like we definitely as I said, teach people to step outside of themselves. Like I, That's something I try to do so much as a poet and so much when I'm reading poetry is to step outside of the self. Mm. So we are
1: teachers. We're teachers. I like that. I want to let that settle in just for a second before we go to break. That we are teachers, mm-hmm. and that's why I really love the title of your book, I Learn, I Teach. That really Thank was a you. quite... It struck me. It struck me a lot. So I just wanted to share that with you. Well, we'll take a brief break. Okay. <laughs> Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Catherine Yates and what a what better way to spend a Saturday afternoon than listening to Catherine share her work. So Catherine what I'd like you to do is to share three poems with no interruptions from me. All right. <laughs> um, I think that's
2: best if I go with uh, my new chapbook I Learn I Teach I'm going to read a poem from the first section called I Learn, the first poem of the chapbook called During the War, Fired by Brittany Sanchez's Photography. Spring had left us restless like crocuses in the grass. The sound of airplanes brought us home every night, wrestling through the backyard to a wet porch floodlit by the kitchen window. The sky a washed out denim stalling before the stars came. We stumble up the wood steps and the whoosh above made us cover our ears. We were young and our eyes rolled up like in death to look. We were young and knew nothing of disaster or a longing for home. We were always home. Could smell our stepdad's vodka before it hit the glass. The planes flew just above our roof So close, we thought we could just reach and grab a wing. Uh, My next poem is in the same section, and it's called Unlove. One moment I thought I got to it and it didn't go. Unlove. Unlove. It's the last poem in the section of "Island." My father's eyes pool behind rose-colored glasses. Your mother did not love me. On a bench off the bank of the Fox, the sun sets like a cliché, highest in pinks and purples, some gray. She did not love me, he says, and goes on, tears purling on his cheeks. And I learn what love isn't. I learn where to go when I am lonely, this river edge, these rocks, how to wrap memories in newspaper and keep them in a box. I'm going to read one poem from the section I teach, which is the second section of the book. Um, I'm going to read a poem based on a middle schooler. It's called Learning Figurative Language. His small hands hold pencil and penguin eraser. Adolescent pubescent intelligent eyes may analyze similes. A taco is like personification Kevin. Rhyme, he came from heaven. Metaphor is an ocean he drowns in. Makes him feel dumb as a donkey. Hyperbole, touch his shoulder, tell him he is a lion, or an elephant, or an owl, so he never forgets how amazing he is.
1: Wow. To you, how important is accessibility of your poetry? And I guess my question is, before you continue, should one have to work hard to solve a poem? That's the question.
2: Oh, I was thinking more like accessibility on oh, my second chapbook is actually going to be um, uh, an audio as well. So I just wanted to note that real quick.
1: Oh, right, great. But great. as far
2: as understanding a poem, feel there should be minimal work on the reader's end. Depend- well, it depends on. Hmm. Depends on the poem. Depends on the poem. Okay. All right. I do enjoy a good puzzling poem. I do enjoy a poem that you need to read more than once in order to understand it, or a poem that you may need to look something up to understand it better. It all depends, too, on the relationship of the actual writer and the poem. Some writers want people to get one meaning out of it and one meaning only. And I just can't agree with that. Mm -hmm. I like when people read my poetry and find themselves in it or find something completely different than what I meant.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So Mm -hmm. as far as accessibility goes, I believe, I don't believe in the idea of like a, a reader needing to have to look up every single word to understand a poem right but at the same time maybe if there's one or two words that they need to look up that's okay you can really <laughs> I agree it's okay it's okay you share that you
1: plan to include an audio well here's my question all right what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice if there's a
0: relationship there's no
1: connection. No connection? Um, <laughs> Tell me more. Talk to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Um, I feel that I definitely write better than I speak. I write more elegantly. When I speak, it can come out as garble jarble. And mm. I don't. I also, you know, I use incorrect words and I, I, I'm I'm an English teacher and people are always like watching how they speak around me. I'm like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't say everything correctly right. and I punctuate myself correctly when I'm speaking. And also but some and I say y'all, I say ain't, but sometimes my y'alls and ain't sneak into my poems. Depends on the voice of the poem. Mm-hmm. Um and my you know, my uh, Wisconsinite accent and things that I say <laughs> sneak in at times. But so maybe there is a connection. There's connection. Well,
1: okay. You know, you said that you plan to include an audio, right? So that's going to be your voice. It's Unless it's you're going to have someone else do it.
2: Excuse me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. Yeah, um, and the way, I guess, um, if we're talking spoken word as far as the connection, there's definitely some of my poems need to be spoken. Okay. Like when they're read, they don't read the same as when you say it out loud.
1: Yes, my poetry's like that. Yes, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Well, I well, personally, I've enjoyed listening to you, and I've understood every word. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think you've mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. what it mm-hmm. takes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed I listening you. to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Here we go. Next question. As you think about your body of work, has a poem ever humbled or frightened you?
2: Hmm. I'll just consider that for a moment. Yes. Well, I've had poems certainly frighten me. Um, poems that I've written on very personal topics. Um, yes. I will not say the other one I will bring up to bring up awareness. Um mm. I've written poems on um, I was in a sexually abusive relationship and the poems that have come out of like that pain Mm -hmm. I can't even put them out into the world
0: they're too
2: scary and there's other topics that I just I touch on them I do I do write about them but I just yeah maybe when I'm eighty, mm. we'll oh.
1: <laughs> mm. Mm. I guess my next question is, is a poem letting your guard down
2: or building a wall? depends on the person
1: mm-hmm. um
2: some people live in poetry behind a persona All right. and. I met this one poet who came to my um, creative writing class, poetry class, when I was in college, and he said, there should never be an I in a poem, mm. that you should not be in your poetry. It should be about other things. That greatly offended me. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, it offends me. <laughs> <that> just listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's discrediting thousands of poets. And I thought with his poetry, he was building a wall. He was mm. building a wall, of his biblical characters, and he was building a wall for himself. But for a variety, many, many, many poets, it is a breaking down of walls. It is a becoming open to the world and exposing yourself in ways that really nothing else can. Hmm. Hmm.
1: You know, let's go back to the gentleman who said that you should not include I. Now, -hmm. when I think about your portion, from what I've heard so far, there's a lot of emotion in it. You know, whether you're discussing or sharing about nature or your own personal experiences, do you think someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Hmm.
2: I didn't call myself a poet for a very long time. Okay. So you calling yourself a poet. I feel is takes time and is given to you based on experiences. Mm-hmm. So I don't. So rounding back to the question, though. Um, hmm. As I said, poetry is play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you're and you're not giving emotions to your readers or yourself, that's fine. I mean you can still call yourself a poet. You're playing with language. You're having a good time. And but can you call it a poem? Mm-hmm. Does a poem have to emotion? Right. That does. That I feel it does. A poem should evoke something. It should evoke Humor, which I don't do very well, All right. that's evoke... right we, we know that <laughs> <laughs> humor very well <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, it could evoke sadness, it could evoke a smile um, even, you know it just it needs to evoke strong emotion for it to be a poem, but to be a poet, you just got to play with language.
1: Mm. Mm. please share. Two more poems. All
2: right. I'm going to go ahead and share some. I learn. I teach. The I teach section. So this is about um, my students. And let me see. I keep. I'm. I'm trying to decide. You know (laughs) what? I'll read Uh, my zombies.
0: (laughs) My zombies.
2: (laughs) My creativity consumed by my students. Like worms, they work their way into my skull as I try to mull over their ways. In a daze, they sit for days on end without answers. What was said? What was said? Scoop my brain out with their ladles. Our zombies are so very active, attractive even, with their shiny Jordans and long polished nails. If only they had purple. Meaning beyond mm. their own images, selfies and video chats, looking in their mirrors without reflection, mm. and that's all for that. Wow, right. that's deep. That one, a teacher friend, totally. Like she just, she loves those final two lines: the selfies and video chats, looking in their mirrors yes. without reflection. That's very she powerful.
0: She, mm-hmm. she, she
2: mm-hmm. sees it all the time.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm, I'm sure Alright, sure. second poem Journals I read all your journals Every dang one All 76 And let me tell you Some of you are stupid as bonglass. glass But most of you know more than you let on Tell me again what love means and trust, and honesty. How your words are slick with poetry and wisdom beyond your youth. Tell me about that time your friends deserted you and all you had was God. Tell me your secrets and I will hold them forever. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you.
1: It also sounds like, from listening to your work, that you enjoy teaching. I know it's tough, but that you overall enjoy it. Am I correct?
2: Oh yes. I I love teaching. I my full time job right now doesn't require teaching. It still requires education, but not teaching directly. Yes. But I still teach mm-hmm. part time. I teach um I teach uh, high school equivalency to adults. Wow. Um I I can't imagine life without without it, without teaching.
1: Mm-hmm. right, It's beautiful. I like that. You also mentioned earlier that you initially didn't view yourself as a poet or you wouldn't use that label being a poet. Mm. And I want to know whether you use the label or not. Do you think you were meant to be? I can't say poet. (laughs) Yes, I can. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? (laughs) Even though we can't use the word. Do you think you were meant to be a poet?
2: That's I just I'm not sure about the idea of meant or destined or okay. Um, I feel as I said earlier, anybody can be a poet if they play. Yes. So, um, actually, funny thing, it reminds me of a poem I actually published, and so I can write called "To Be a Poet." All right. And it kind You're going of to share it with explains. Us? Yeah, it kind of explains my idea of why I didn't feel like a poet at that time. I'd love to hear it. To be a poet, sometimes I wonder if I am not old enough to write poetry, that I have to lose a parent as a rite of poet passage, or walk across the state of New Jersey without sleeping and only a canteen of water in hand or lose an arm, an ear, my mind? How many years until I am a poet? How many letters away? Have I experienced enough joy, enough pain? Or should I buy a boat and sail across the Pacific for three years, eating barracuda and bonnethead sharks? Should I chase tornadoes? I should stop asking questions. Look, listen to the world just outside my window, right next to my bedside table. Hear the minutes passing by me, as mundane as a caterpillar crouched on the grass, and smith, spindle it into white gold. Wow. <laughs> awesome.
1: You've got to read that one again. Yeah. I need to, encore, encore, please read it again. I like that one. I like that one. Please read it again. <laughs> yes.
2: It have some humor in it, or I'm trying to be funny at least.
1: That's all
2: right. To be a poet. To be a poet. Sometimes I wonder if I am not old enough to write poetry, that I have to lose a parent of the rite of poet passage or walk across the state of New Jersey without sleeping and only a canteen of water in hand or lose an arm, ear, my mind. How many years until I am a poet? How many letters Hmm. away? Have I experienced enough joy, enough pain? Or should I buy a boat? and sail across the Pacific for three years, eating barracuda and bonnethead sharks? Should I chase tornadoes? I should stop asking questions. Look, listen, to the world just outside my window, right next to my bedside table. Hear the minutes passing by me, as mundane as a caterpillar crouched in the grass, and spindle it into white gold.
1: Mm.
2: That's all for that one. Wow.
1: I guess the line that struck me the most, you know, they all were exquisite, was just the one about have I experienced enough joy, and I'm paraphrasing, enough pain. That one,
0: yeah.
1: that's huge for a lot of people to think about. That's just, oh, that just uh, that, that just touched me. That really, really did. Mm. I think on that note, let's take a brief break and <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We are back. I am here with Catherine Yetz. Wow, Catherine. What I'd like to know, because we both know that you are a poet, if you don't claim it, I will. You are a poet. So what I'd like to know is, what surprises you most about being a poet?
2: Surprises me most is that people actually like what I write. <laughs> mm, okay. All right. I didn't All right. them. you know, um, people enjoy my work, and I just thought like these are for me when I you know when mm. I first started writing. And well, at first, well, when I first started writing, I shared a lot. Like I said, like going on the stairs and sharing the ten, the nine, ten and going and sharing poems with my sister. And then for a long time, it was very personal. It was very, um, yes. like, this is for me, and I don't know if I can share this. And then once I started sharing, I'll never forget in high school creative writing class, sharing a poem, and at the end, uh, my good friend Ben Schoolcraft was like, that should be published. And I was like, oh. Wow, <laughs> I felt so important. <laughs> you know, I felt I felt like I could do this, and mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I think that's what surprises me the most is like the connections too. The connections where you read a poem and you think, oh, nobody's experienced this, and there's people mm-hmm. who have, um, yes. like having yes. a mother who has bipolar and having this and that happen, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: the connections it creates was wonderful
1: yes yes true poetry normalizes situations that you don't yes. feel alone this mm-hmm. here's a fun here's a fun question just to I don't know here's a fun question if you were a poet doing a different era when where would you want to exist oh goodness <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: With all you know about the world The good, bad, and ugly What era would you want to live in? Uh, probably first
2: wave feminism
1: I Say that one more, say one <laughs> more
2: time you. First wave feminism During
1: the first wave first, of feminism Oh wow, always. first wave feminism Wow, yeah. I've never heard that answer before Tell me more, tell me all about it
2: I'd want, because I feel a lot of my poems are a little too late. You know what I mean? Like, they're talking Mm, about women's rights. Some people are like, oh, well, that's long past. No, we have rights now, which is not true. But um, Mm -hmm. it's very woman power, some of my poetry, and very um, sex-driven. Some are very sex-driven, I'm not going to lie to you. They're sensual, sex-driven poetry where I feel like, now that's kind of old hat. It's like okay, that's been done. Whereas during first wave feminism, that was a big deal to talk about to talk about sex. That wasn't a, that was a taboo topic before. And then all of a sudden, it's like we're just you know able to share it and it and it's now it's just like okay, whatever you shared it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I
2: want I wanted to be in a time where it's like wow, I can't believe you're saying that.
1: Mm, okay, all right. So, to what extent, and precisely, is any poem a woman's or a man's?
2: Can you repeat that question?
1: Yes. To what extent is a poem, is any poem, a woman's or a man's? Talk so about women's empowerment. A,
2: mm-hmm. a, a poem belonging to a gender. Um, I. I feel that poetry belongs to all genders, not men, women, gender, queer, or trans. um, Because, you know, a poem can be written by a very male perspective, and Mm -hmm. women can still read it and be in that perspective. Or from a Mm -hmm. trans person's perspective, we go into that perspective. As I said before, um, poetry teaches and creates change. So... You step outside of yourself. So I feel all poetry is meant for all genders.
1: All right. You know what I'm going to do since you answered that question? I'm going to add what, to what extent, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, to what extent mm-hmm. is any poem a woman's or a trans person or a man's? How does that sound? Mm-hmm. What should I put what there? Extent? Right, it's just not woman or man i mean there's so much in between
2: right teach right me. right teach teach Gender-tier. me in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um gender non-binary transgender um f to m m to f um i just i feel obviously some poems that i write speak more towards women mm-hmm. But I'm not leaving anyone out.
1: Yes, that's so important. I'm realizing that now. That is so important. You've taught me so much in less than an hour. (laughs) You, you are a teacher. You're a poet and a teacher. (laughs) And I'm going to change my my way of being as a consequence of that. (laughs) Share another poem. Share another poem. (laughs)
2: Okay. Okay. Um. Do you mind if I share two? No, please.
1: I'm enjoying okay. this. Please.
2: Guys, they're kind of a they're to each other, I would say. Um, the first one is called Resignation as Published in Her Story. It all comes down to an email. You're not welcome back without a letter explaining your illness. You're not welcome back without opening up your skull and showing them your dopamine doesn't flow just right and how someone stuck a sizzling iron to your hopes and dreams, swirling it around until it's soup. You cannot show them a simple sickness. You cannot show them the path from your mental health to physical because, sweetheart, it's all in your head and they could care less. Unless you figure out how to put your words and thoughts under your skin like blisters or a rash that would cover your whole body like constellations, uncovering your destructive ideation. Still they would not understand how scary it can be to leave the bedroom or how hard it can be to lift your head. You can't quite put your finger on it. Your every thought a scuttling spider. Explain to them this metaphor and what then, your resignation, your death certificate. Your only hope for a normal life imploded by a signature, signing off your sanity. In the midst of your best self, you lost yourself once again, despite cutting off your own ears, to ignore the whisper of desperation that you're not okay. You're not okay.
0: Mm.
2: And the next one's closely connected. Um, it's about my students. Love was not enough. You hug me and my heart sings the Pokemon theme song, taking me back to my own childhood and how I longed for an adult to love me like a child should be. I love you all like a morning dove, cooing late noon outside my patio door, like a lily opening fresh on my kitchen table. I loved you so much I had to leave you so you could grow big and strong and smart. You were my world. I woke up waiting to see you, but I also spent days in bed worrying that I was not enough for you, that my love was not enough to show you how special you are. Oh, I'm to read without crying. That's all right. That's all right. It's all right.
1: It's all right. Tears, good. tears are, <laughs> tears are good. All right, and we, I want to know if you could tell your younger writing self anything. What would it be?
2: Hmm. To not be afraid, and to not think what would other people think about this. To write without fear or to feel the fear and do it anyway?
1: Mm. Mm. You know, it kind of brings up this next question, and, it's, and, and you've, we've already framed it, So, but I want to say it. I just want to say it. Writers and poets mm. write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. In a nutshell, why do you write a
2: I write not only to heal myself but to hopefully heal others
0: hmm.
2: or to inspire, to um, to, ch- to create change, to teach, to open up different avenues. Um, I feel I can't not write. All right, whether even if it wasn't ever read, <laughs> mhm, okay, although that would be very sad, I feel I would still write even if nobody read it, all
1: right, okay, and you should, you know, we're almost at the end of our poetic journey together, but I would like to hear one more poem if you don't want, just one more
2: to take us away no from more. here, all right. Um, This poem is a spoken word. It is not published anywhere. Um, It is in a possible future collection, though, called Stars. The intimacy of the stars can be auctioned off, Tony Gardner. We sold the stars, every last one, in order to pay for our place in the universe, Between cheers and beers and wine and dine, we take each other for granted. We take and take and take and fill ourselves with lattes to fill the voids within. When really, honey, we need poetry. We need an explosion of fuchsia, apricot, crimson, cobalt. Two nights fireworks under our feet We need the river We need the maple and oak trees We need the pain, the passions To be smacked by a muse So hard we cannot stop Seeing all the beauty in the world And words pour from our mouths As we found the fountain of youth Within our voices Let your body move And jive and jiggle To the joy of the beats of your tongue The syllables like gold in your mouth Let it loose Oh, as a wolf, and laugh, (laughs) and let loose the sounds that have been buried within yourself. Discard your jewels because, honey, your words are the real sapphires and rubies that start fires when jambled together and jingle with the tongue's tingle to let out our screams, our sighs, our cries, our laughter out so loud it can make kingdoms fall and damn or salvage souls we be powerful beings we are powerful
1: that's all wow oh you know to me with that particular poem you truly truly came alive and I've always believed in terms of spoken words, that when you share a poem you need to live it to live that experience Mm. out loud Mm. you know if you wrote it live it all right, that was beautiful. <laughs> Great way to end. Mm-hmm. Catherine <laughs> you've written more than one book. What piece of advice would you give to your readers?
2: A piece of advice? Yes. Just never stop reading. Never stop mm-hmm. writing. Whether you are comfortable, uncomfortable, wherever you are, um, let it out. Let it loose.
1: <laughs> I like that <laughs> oh, alright where can listeners find your work Catherine
2: um, my, well all my chapbooks are available on Amazon um, so I can write The Animal Within as well as I Learn I Teach um, otherwise you kind of get them from the press I prefer to get it from the press Unsolicited Press and Cyberwit has my other two Um, Also, if you just Google me, you can find a variety of literary magazines um, that I've been published in. So, oh, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram, author Catherine Yepp.
1: All right. That was going to be my next question. How can listeners stay in touch? So your Facebook again is what? Say it one more time. Um,
2: Author Catherine Yepp. And that's okay. K-A-T-H-R-I-N-E. No E before the R in Catherine.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's, last thing. Last thing before we go. What is in the works okay. for you next? Where do you go from here? With your writing.
2: Well, I have about three more chapbooks and three more full-length collections under my belt that are just looking mm-hmm. for a home. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I keep putting them together. I just can't stop. <laughs> um, and finding different themes in my works and things like that. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, I just plan to keep on writing, keep on keeping on, keep on trying to get it out there if I can. And so um, I will be at different readings. I'm trying to do a lot more readings and book launches. And I mean, you know, it's the year of yes. Um, COVID isn't as bad. It's so bad, but it's not as yes. bad. So people are getting together now, finally. So it's the year of saying yes
1: mm. to being able
2: to. Uh,
1: Wow. I am so excited for you. To me, you're like a poetic star on the rise. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Your voice is so strong. Don't de- don't deny your voice. Don't deny your voice whether you want to write whatever kind of poetry that you want to write. Whether it's humorous poetry, like I said earlier, just do it, just live it, just live it. Live it. I I want to thank you so much, Catherine, for joining me. I've truly enjoyed this hour. You're the best.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're thank the best. You this was really fun. This is so much fun. And I, when do you get to talk about poetry in life? You know, it's just not enough.
1: <laughs> it's it's not enough. You're right. So again, thank you. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in. That's it. And as I share every time I'm on this program, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. All right, Catherine. Be good. Take care.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at QLPOR.com.